0: What an incredible privilege to just be in God's presence and with God's people. Um, I'm, this isn't, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but Tyron yesterday, my, my husband Teryn who is part of the leadership team, he's um, actually preaching at Cedar Hill Church, which is Gareth and Ange. If you remember them, they were helping us last year, and then they went to be part of planting a church in Durbanville, and so Taryn's there um, with his backup twins, Uh, Sam and Charlie, Um, and um, so that's where he is, but yesterday he was just sharing, he's busy writing a um, a commentary on Ephesians, and he was telling me that this verse came alive to him, and I haven't had time to find it, but it says, I pray that you would um, realize the riches of um, the inheritance that is God's people. I'm kind of paraphrasing, and he said what, what he realized is that if you go back to the Greek." People think that it kind of means um, the riches of, of of your inheritance, you know, that's in God's people. But it actually is God's. In I wish that you would have your eyes open to see that my inheritance is God's people. <laughs> that God, I mean, God speaking, you know. And this morning, I don't know about you, but I just felt a glimpse of that. Just I like such a an, a supernatural love for God's people. <laughs> like what, you know, this this is God's inheritance. This is. Uh, The riches of the world. Forget any gold mines and stock markets. This is where it's at. This is what's eternal and not passing away. So, I just love you guys, man. (laughs) So grateful to be with you and one of you. Um, So, yeah. I I was at a prayer meeting on Wednesday morning, and uh, in my prayer, I was just chatting about God's goodness and His presence and just a flow in his spirit, and then the guy that was in the prayer meeting as well, he w- he had Ephesians 1 verse 17 open, and he said, okay, well, I wasn't sure whether I should read this, but now that you've prayed all of that, and he read that, and was exactly that, so I just wanted to encourage you guys to just go and spend a bit of time on Ephesians 1 17, just those few verses, it's just absolutely beautiful, yeah. Isn't that wonderful, hey? <laughs> the choreography of God, hey, in the middle of So many different stories and lives and verses in the Bible. Well, um, so I'm here and I've got the privilege of carrying on in our series. We've been going through the way of Jesus as he has um, preached this incredible message called the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, the most famous sermon in all of history. And we're getting close to the end of it. And um, I'm going to be looking at Matthew 7, verse 15 to 23. And... um, what I think is incredible is, as we've been journeying as a faith community through this, is there's this golden thread that's come through for me. Um, it's a different way of looking at God and at religion and as a relationship with God than even, um, even us sometimes as Christians, think, you know, and Jesus just comes again and again and again back to relationship and intimacy with him, and it's this golden thread that we've seen, and we're going to see it again coming through um, in this passage, which is about false prophets, if you can believe it, and... um, and that's, just so you know, quite a hair-raising thing to speak about <laughs> as a teacher. Here is um, Jesus warning against false prophets and false teachings. And um, it's not it's not something that we often speak about, really. You know, we don't want to kind of talk about beware of all the deception and the false prophets out there. And yet, it's six times in Matthew uh, this word, beware, be on your guard, is used. And each time it's about religious leaders and about how they are... Um, they can be so destructive and dangerous to people and to their journeys and to where they're ultimately going to get destined for. Um, And so I come here humbly, (laughs) knowing that although my heart is in the right place, um, like the noble Bereans, it's good to test whatever is brought to you and to go and study the scriptures afterwards and go, is this actually legit, you know? Um, And um, I think I I was listening to a, a, a preach that someone else did, John Marcoma, on this, and he said, Let's be generous with me. Maybe eighty percent of what I'm sharing is right, you know. But there's there's blind spots, there's cultural blind spots, there's theological blind spots in all of us, and um, and that's why we need everyone to be noble like the Bereans and to know Scripture and test Scripture. One last thing is I was going through this message with my husband yesterday, who's um, got his masters in theology. He's going to probably going and get his doctorate, and um, so I'm telling him, and I get to this high point, like th- this was going to be the high point of my message, this like revelation that I had, and he's like, that's great, but that's not orthodox theology, <laughs> so I almost brought you like a proper false teaching, but I've reined it back, and um, thanks to my husband, um, it's going to come with disclaimers, I still think it's amazing, but I'll, yeah, we'll get there. Um, Okay, so let's get into the word. I'm going to read it for us. Matthew 7, verse 15 to 23. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Ha, ah. how's everyone doing? <laughs> la, la, la. Great, thanks. Thanks to the uh, planning preaching team for giving me this beautifully encouraging sermon, but that's what's beautiful about just going through Scripture, right? You can't avoid these, like, difficult parts that, that are there for a reason. So let's just dive right in. Watch out. Beware. Be on your guard. Surely not us, right? Like, I mean, we, we're now in the 21st century. We've got so many different commentaries and different preachers and podcasts coming at us. Surely, like, like, we don't have to be on our guard, hey? Like, like other people can do that for us. Um, And yet, uh, like I said, this is a common theme through Matthew and also through the New Testament of being discerning and being aware that the devil is real and he really, really, really wants to deceive you. (laughs) And he really wants to just get you going a few degrees off track so that you end up in a completely different direction with your life. Um, I was reminded that throughout my life I've had a recurring dream um, and the the actual particulars of it are sometimes different. Um, when I was quite young, I used to have this dream of this wolf, um, like an actual wolf, you know. And um, he would uh, invite me to play tennis with him, and I would and I was never a good tennis player. And I would I would go down there, and I, I always had this kind of like cocksure attitude, like mm, I'm like I'm totally. Um, able enough to defeat this wolf, you know, and it and it always ended badly. <laughs> and then I remember other times um, where I've had these vivid dreams of like being in like a shopping centre car park, and there's some crazy stuff going on, like like a bit of a hijacking situation outside. And I'm quite hairy casual. I just go, geez at least it's not me. And I and I walk by, and then the next thing I'm in a massive hostage situation, and I'm like absolutely on the ground, like like seized by criminals, and I'm thinking, oh, why was I so relaxed? Why did I not do something? Why wasn't I on my guard? And now, look, I've been taken by this thing, and, um, and each time I've had those dreams, um, I've woken up with this like sobering, re- I've known God's been in them, you know, the, those dreams that have that weight on them, and I felt that sense of um, God just reminding me of this. Beware, Julie. Like, be on your guard. And I feel like um, he wants to just uh, bring a bit of sober-mindedness to all of us here today. Don't, don't think, oh, no, this is for other people. Or, or someone else uh, in my church will, 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 will do that for me. No, each one of us are to beware and to be on our guard. There's a devil, and he desires to have you. Secondly, a word about prophets. Beware of false prophets. Nowadays, we don't call these people prophets, really, a lot of the time. We call them influencers or mega pastors or or, or interesting podcasters or authors. They're the luminaries of our generation that we go to for insight. They are signposts. They are map makers, are meaning makers. They show us and they tell us how life really is according to their perspective of um, God. This is what's true, they say. This is the way. This is what God looks like, and this is who you are. And make no mistake, we all are following signposts and influences and prophets in our lives. We were were made and created to do that. Um, So I suppose the first question I just want to leave you with to think about is who are those prophets? in your life? Who are the signposts that you um, frequently or or infrequently go to and go, okay, just tell me again, what's the map? What's the meaning out of all of this? Next, a word about false prophets. The best lies are are half-truths, right? I mean, it's obvious to spot things that are really wacky and crazy, you know what I mean? Like, like none of us are, are in danger of really crazy heresies, right? Um, But the best deceptions are the ones that have a form of truth in them, some truth, and yet some really um, devastating lies in them. That verse, um, it's quite haunting, hey? It says, um, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Just think about that. They, They actually look like the opposite of what they really are. Perhaps they use spiritual language, Lord, Lord, and perhaps they have incredible influence and power, even spiritual gifts and a great following. These days there have never been so many soothsayers and false prophets, I think. 2 Timothy 4, I'm just going to read it. Um, It's a well-known verse. You've probably heard it. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Wow, hey? Just a reminder that there's such a thing as ultimate truth. And there's such a thing as fairy tales. And there's a lot of people um, that get a lot of power and influence and um, people around them, because we have these itchy ears, <laughs> and we want them to tell us things that we want to hear. So, how can we beware? How can we look out for false prophets amongst us? Thankfully, Jesus tells us how, and he's really plain and he's really practical. He's not—he's not trying to catch anyone else, uh, anyone out here. If it's not power, and incredible spiritual gifting, and amazing Christianese language. Um, how can we know who a false prophet is? Well, you will know them by their fake fruit. I've got three things that I think um, Jesus gets to in here, and this is the first. You'll know them by their fake fruit. The thing about a fruit tree um, is that it produces after its own kind. You can't have a lemon tree that's going to just suddenly sprout pineapples. It's just impossible. If it's a lemon tree, it's going to have lemons. If it's a vine... And it's a grapevine. It's going to have bunches of grapes on it. You can't make, you can't do that. And I love how often in the Bible, um, spirituality and our own natures and characters are um, kind of likened to vines and fruit and um, trees, because um, it just reminds us again that at the core of what God is concerned about and and who and how we're meant to live, it's about um, who we are not what we say or what we do or what we think we ought to do uh, there's something about a fruit tree that is just so beautiful it's not like you just you just don't get a white-knuckled fruit tree right <laughs> or one that's like burnt out that's just like exhausted it just is it's got its roots in the right soil and it's just producing fruit it's just it's just what it does and so in this case you will know people and teachers by their fruit, by what comes out of their lives, uh, their character and their ministry. What is the actual effect of it? Not what they say, who they are. What is the fruit of their lives and their teachings and their character? Now, remember these, we're not, we're not trying to like, and I mean, there's some terrible stories out there, right, of like spiritual leaders that turn out to be the most depraved, awful people, They're there and we need to be aware of them, but there's also some good people. They're not bad, evil people, um, but are they producing the fruits of the Spirit, sweet fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, sure, and self-control. Those are the fruits that come out of good teachers' lives. And, and good trees. Not power, not incredible uh, fearsome gifting. Those fruits. And I think a question to ask is, when you are under their shadow, in their shade, uh, what kind of fruits produced in your life from being under their teaching? Is it that Or is it arrogance or like a kind of self-righteous, I cannot believe no one else knows this, like what idiots? Is it divisiveness? Is it hate? Or is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? I just also want to make a point here. Um, I think I've said it, but I just want to underline it, that the difference Um, in your life from being around a shepherd and a sheep is going to be very different to being around a ferocious wolf, given enough time. A ferocious wolf is going to be so damaging to your spiritual life, to your spiritual inheritance, perhaps to your own life and your own health and mental health and physical, whereas being around a shepherd and a sheep, that's that's a wonderful, safe, calming, Comforting place. Think about a sheep. They produce wool and it keeps you warm. They, they're like pretty harmless, but they also, um, they, there's a sustenance in them. Um, that's, that's the fruit and the kind of um, life you want to be around, not wolves. Right, so that's the first way you will know them by their fake fruit. The second is by their wrong direction, the wrong direction of their teachings. Is it self-made or selfless? Not my will, but your will, Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 21, only those who do the will of my Father. That's Jesus speaking, and he's, he's saying there's going to be a lot of false prophets that, that try and get into heaven one day. And he says, no, you, you didn't do the will of my Father. Um, I didn't find this quote, but I remember hearing someone say the difference between an immature disciple and a mature one is an immature Christian will say, my will, God, just let me have my will. A mature disciple of Christ will say, not my will, your will be done. And there's a level of dying to self and uncomfortableness and submission to God um, that each one of us needs to reckon with in our own lives. It's not like easy for some and hard for others. When we try to fit Jesus' teachings and theology into our will and our worldview, it becomes a false teaching, a false theology. And it's dangerous to us and those around us. Each of us have to reckon with our own wills and lay them down again and again and again. For some, perhaps the... Christian doctrine is just too wildly, scandalously gracious. This, this just feels just too open. Like, just tell me I'm a good person. Just tell me that I can earn some of my righteousness, right? For others of us, it's offensive that it's so narrow. How dare you tell me how to live, God? How dare you tell me what to do with my body and my thoughts and my life and my money? False prophets tend to do the opposite. They tell us what our itchy ears want to hear. They convince us that somehow, no, no, your will is right. It's God's will. And often it creates a smugness in us, a self-righteousness, or perhaps a a doubly doubtfulness in us. Just reflecting on our current, um, like, kind of milieu and, like, context that we live in, I thought, what are some of the false teachings that we have around us, and I thought of three the first is um, is this kind of quite progressive liberal way of looking at the bible um, did God really say you know it, it it's, it's not, it doesn 't actually matter if if Jesus really rose from the dead it's more that his spirit is with us, apparently is a popular author at the moment i, I it, and and one of his lines is it doesn 't have to be real to be true, whatever that means and <laughs> And John Marcoma said they take, um, they've got, they use the same words, the, our same vocabulary that, that, that Christians have always used, but they, they've got a different dictionary. They unpack those words in a way that is not orthodox Christianity and the way of Jesus. Um, and um, it reminds me of, um, of uh, the stake in the garden coming to Eve what did he say? He he didn't actually uh, preach too much and, and teach false. He said, "Did God really say?" And I think there's a lot of those false prophets in our time. Did God really say that? Um, the second is I think there's this kind of spiritual consciousness movement, and and um, particularly in parts of the world like Cape Town where Jesus ha- reached his full consciousness as an enlightened being, and he shows you how you can do that too. You can be a Jesus. You, you are also a fully enlightened, conscious being, and um, he was God, and you too have got God in you. Can you hear how close that is? But also how deeply not orthodox Christian theology that is. No, of course, we're sons and daughters of God, but we are not the son. And he had an unparalleled place in history and in our, um, in our creed as Christians. So, there's this conscious enlightenment movement. And the third that I think um, is not necessarily like false prophets in the same degree, but uh, well, you can decide, is when people take a, a sp- scriptures out of context And they use them in a way to wield some kind of like faction or sect and go like, we've got the corner on truth. And you get this throughout history. And we've got it all around us. Churches that go, "Uh, we're actually 100% right. And everyone else is either kind of absolutely heretics or shame. Like they haven't got it right at all. And uh, I've certainly at times in my life, been involved in 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 my own journey, let me not um, peg any churches on this, but as an immature Christian, where I thought, why would anyone not be in our church? Like we have got it one hundred percent right, and shame, everyone else has got it wrong. And there's um, that's a false theology. <laughs> Jesus is in His church, and it's His beautiful bride, and it is a motley crew, but He is He He loves us, and He's working on the bride, not on signal on the body of Christ. Uh, the the universal church and he's washing it with his word and he hasn't given up on it and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail. We're not this tiny little group that needs to kind of like keep our little like group from like being invaded by the world. We are pushing back darkness and um, let's just have a bit of humility that we are part of a much bigger story and uh, we're getting some things right. We're probably getting a few things wrong. And that's okay. God is so scandalously gracious, but let's stay humble and let's stay loving to the wider body of Christ. There's such a level of humility that I think we can just even see in Jesus and Gethsemane. He he says, God, if there's any other way for humanity to be reconciled to God, please, can you just let me know about it? Because The thought of actually dying on a cross is horrific, and it's causing me to sweat blood. But not my will. Your will be done. If that was the Son of God that had to be that humble, how much more do each one of us, right here, right now, need to say that daily? Not your will, but my will be done. So back to... Um, these false prophets, they tend to say, it's not necessary. Uh, they don't have the right fruit. They send us off in wrong directions. And finally, thirdly, they have a false intimacy. Verse 22, verse 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons, perform many miracles in your name? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. A false intimacy with God. Jesus calls them out, and instead of repenting, what do they do? Jesus calls them out, and they go, well, let me tell you what I've done. And I think there's something quite humorous in this. And also, uh, it shows that that often the master debaters, the people that are going to win every argument, they're not necessarily right. Jesus is going to have the final word. Jesus calls them out, and instead of repenting, they list their credentials, and they power ministries, and what they've done for, for for God apparently in his name. One thing to note is that the deceivers themselves are deceived. They are genuinely shocked. They are so far from the way of Jesus that they list what they've done instead of falling at the feet of their Savior. They list what they, they've done instead of who they know. There's a false intimacy in them. And that makes all the difference. You see, this passage isn't meant to make anyone here doubt their salvation. If you have um, put your faith in Christ and you have said, Jesus, I believe, like we were singing this morning in the resurrection, I believe you died and you rose again for my sins. Once saved, always saved. There's nothing, it's it's a heresy to try and look at what you have done in your life like these false prophets, and try and and think that is going to get you saved, get you to God. It's not based on how good or godly you are, what kind of spiritual gifts you have. And this is where the golden thread comes in, verse 23. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. This is just so beautiful because there's been so many moments in this journey where I feel like we just keep on coming back to this, that what God desires... What he wants from us more than our works is our hearts. These false prophets had an appearance of closeness to God, but he didn't know them. The Greek word is gnosko, and it's a deep relational intimacy with someone. It's used um, to describe the knowing between a husband and a wife. It's not a head knowledge. It's a deep relational knowing And I find it fascinating um, that Jesus doesn't say, "Here, get away from me. You didn't know me. He says, I didn't know you. I never knew you. Wow. (laughs) The all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent God of the universe, in his huge bigness and all-knowingness, chooses to not know us relationally until we want to know him relationally. This is the part where I almost took it too far. So um, just, (laughs) I've I've brought it back. I was like, there's stuff God doesn't know. And Terran was like, no, God knows everything. (laughs) But there is the sense of this intimate knowing with you that God does not currently have and only you can give it to him. I never knew you, and he wants to know you. He wants to know these these guys he's talking to here, but they, they were too busy building their own platforms and running after their own name, really, to walk and talk in the cool of the day and just be with you. He doesn't need impressive prayers. if we heard JC preached a few weeks ago, or our flawless performance. He wants to be found and sought and known in return. For the, for the last um, term, uh, Taryn and I have taken turns driving our eldest son to uh, Westerford, and it's close to Kirstenbosch, and we were given these annual passes that we hardly use, and I've taken the gap to start, whenever I drop off um, Eli, to go and walk in the garden. And it has just been such a beautiful, profound experience for me, just walking and abiding in God's presence and feeling Him so close. And um, it's just been such a wonderful time for me. And um, I I urge you to think about that. He wants this from each one of us. He wants to know you and, and for you to know Him. He wants this more than He wants you to be good prophetic, spiritually gifted, successful, wealthy, sorted, respected, respectable, useful. Do you know this, friends? Lately, I've been um, thinking about, because of these walks, about uh, John 15, that beautiful picture of the vine and the branches. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and anyone who abides in me will bear much fruit. That's also Jesus speaking, different time. Isn't that beautiful? It all connects together. You want to bear good fruit? Stick with Jesus. And if you want to know what false prophets look like, because they can be super deceptive, stick with Jesus and bear good fruit and you'll know the difference. I don't know if you know this, and I, I don't know if it's actually just like one of those like legends, but apparently if you're a bank teller, the way you uh, are trained to know counterfeit money is by handling so much real money. You handle so much real money that when there's a fake note in there, just different weight, different feel, you can stop and you can, you can pick it up immediately. Because you've been around the real so much. <clears throat> Another completely different analogy is Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a pale ginger singer. And he's, he's an amazing singer, I think, but he's not that amazing to look at, right? I'm getting here somewhere with this. So apparently there's a whole bunch of Ed Sheeran lookalikes in the UK and Ireland and, you know, all up there. And um, they get so lucky with the ladies because they go to bars and they're like, I'm Ed Sheeran. And uh, like especially tourists are like, oh my gosh, it's Ed Sheeran. Um, and they put pictures up. And I was watching an interview with Ed Sheeran, and he was laughing because these people look nothing like him. And they, all these girls, like, I'm with Ed Sheeran, drinking a Guinness in the bar. Um, and uh, and the fact is, these women haven't spent enough time with the real Ed Sheeran. And the, diff- the way I'm getting here with is, if you were to ask his wife or his two kids, uh, uh you know, if you tried that trick on them, they would go, like, just get out of my face. This is, I know who Ed Sheeran is. You know where I'm heading with this, guys. Same thing. You want to know how to spot a false prophet? You want to know a ferocious wolf in sheep's clothing? Spend enough time with the Lamb of God. Get to know his smell and and his feel, and you'll be able to spot these ferocious wolves a mile away. The best safeguard is abiding in him and his word. Don't let other people be the ones that open up the scriptures to you all the time. This is wonderful that we're doing it together, but spend time like those noble Bereans in God's word. So, wrapping up, I began by saying that our world is full of these prophets, uh, and many of them false, right? Uh, We don't call them prophets. We call them thought leaders, influencers, podcasters, preachers but they're signposts, they're map makers, they're meaning makers, and we we, we all need some of them. So what if instead of just being on our guard, which is important, against false ones, all of us in this room chose to be real prophets, true signposts, truth tellers, and voices in the wilderness to our generation and our city and our world that so desperately needs more truth tellers. Think of the fruit... And the blessing that we could bring to this world. To do this, it's easy and it's very hard. (laughs) We need to be full of the Spirit, which is what we were singing about today, wells of living water. We need to abide in Christ and His Word, and we need to lay down our lives for His will, for the Father's will. Let's pray. Rudy and Mel, I wonder if you guys can come up and, yeah, God, I just feel freshly humbled <laughs> that, um, that though I have got it wrong in my life at times, you have, you have never got it wrong. Wow. You are so righteous and yet so kind and gracious. Thank you that our salvation is not at stake our inheritance is and the blessing we can make in this world is. God, I pray for an unusual spirit of discernment on each one here, Lord, that we we would recognize the false prophets, the ferocious wolves, that we would beware of what we are taking in and what we're imbibing and what we're being influenced by, God, each one of us, God. And God, I pray for an anointing on us to be true prophets, truth tellers and signposts that point to you.